SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. It is fantasy sports today with you here on SportsGrid. It is probably the wildest day in MLB postseason history as we have more games than you can count on one and almost two hands today. We'll have them all covered for you here on fantasy sports today and later on right here on SportsGrid with Scott Farrell and company. So stay tuned all day long. We've got it here for you. Of course, here on this show, we cover baseball. Also covering fantasy football as well, getting you ready for the waiver wire this week and getting you ready for another NFL Sunday. I am Craig Mish along with Joe Pizapia. We got you covered for the next two hours. Also on some injuries as well. We'll bring in Dr. Chow to weigh in on everything happening in fantasy, in reality as well. And Joe, uh, should be a very exciting day for baseball, exciting week for baseball. And then, of course, tomorrow night. An unbelievable game in the NFL that I know we uh, highly anticipate to go along with our NBA Finals. Can't wait. I can sense the sarcasm, and it's because you're laying on pretty thick. But maybe we'll all have to get to know Brett Rippon. Hey, every time a rookie quarterback shows up lately out of nowhere, they seem to be okay. It's that second and third game where it's not as good. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a rough Thursday night. But at least we got a ton of baseball to go over and some fun uh, facts going on. I know the uh, Minnesota Twins, obviously. I don't know if you heard this or not, but the last time the Twins won a playoff game, the Nationals were still the Expos. You like that? Yeah, and the Marlins won the World Series. That's how long ago it was. It's been 17 <laughs> years. Ironically, the same amount of time. Maybe that will change today. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, the Twins have some pressure on them, no doubt, uh, going into today. Uh, we'll get to our top stories here in a minute. But uh, the top story, if you are a fantasy football owner at this point, is once again heeding the advice of being very careful Going into your weekend, if you have anybody on Tennessee or Pittsburgh, as the NFL has announced, the game has been postponed from uh, Sunday, and they're going to try and play that game Monday or Tuesday. But uh, I have been down this road before, and the commissioner of Major League Baseball went on national television and said the Marlins were going to play on a Wednesday, and they didn't play for almost two weeks. So uh, this is exactly uh, the kicking the can part of this, where the NFL is just going to hope and hope and hope that nobody tests positive. They did have one more positive test today. I think this thing will get resolved, and certainly the season will go on. I don't think there's any question about that, Joe. But at this point, if you have any of those players on the team on your team and you're not making backup plans for this week, you're doing your fantasy team a disservice. Absolutely. And the most effective people are clearly the Juju Smith-Schuster, James Conner, uh, and obviously Derrick Henry owners. Those are the ones where this really impacts them the most. Uh, and in deeper leagues too, it's going to be the people who have Jonu Smith and the Superflex, the Ryan Tannehill. So you're really going to have to hit that waiver wire hard. Luckily today for everybody, it's waiver wire Wednesday, so we'll do that. But you're right, they are going to kick it down the can. If they got it off this week, I would be shocked. It was Monday or Tuesday I've actually played this game. I think it's also safe to say that as things go on here, we're going to maybe even be pushing the Super Bowl at some point in time in the playoffs at some point in time. And maybe we'll get my dream come true, which is playing the Super Bowl on the weekend of president. We'll see if it's I think we're, uh, we're going to be looking at this as uh, probably not Monday or Tuesday. If it happens, I think it would be uh, a miracle. Yeah. And, and again, with, with experiencing what I did, knowing what the Marlins went through in the Cardinals, essentially you're talking about 14 day quarantine of any positive tests or of any players and having a positive test today here on a Wednesday, uh, you know, and it, it just, 
I, I completely understand the notion of them wanting to play the game. And of course, I'm not going to rule out anything in terms of what the NFL is deciding. But what is the point? What I mean, you have I mean, I don't think that people understand how sick some of the players on the Marlins and the Cardinals were like, this is no joke. Mm -hmm. I get it. It's preventative. And certainly the commissioner made that clear in his statement that he made today that went out to all the teams basically saying that you're going to lose draft picks <laughs> and you're going to lose money. If you guys break protocol, because clearly we're going to find out that unfortunately maybe one of the Titans did unknowingly, which is you know certainly what happened in Miami and what happened uh, to St. Louis. And this game will be played, whether it's week seven or week eight. It is not a huge deal. The very good news at this point, and we're still early on in this, knowing what I know again with the Vikings, the day is tomorrow for them. I understand they had no positive tests today. But they played on Sunday. you got to give this four full days to understand whether or not there was any contact. I don't believe they will. Like I said yesterday, I think I think they'll be perfectly fine. I think if you own Vikings, you're going to be okay. I think that team will play. But I just would have to say at this point, Tuesday would be the most optimistic day. And then at that point, what are we really doing? It's not a big deal. Just have them take their buys. Sort out. They already figured out what they could do with the rest of the schedule. They're really going to put people at risk for this? I, I, can't, I can't believe it, especially if there's any more positive tests this week. We're talking about going into Thursday and talking about playing on a Monday. Insane. Here is the headlines for today before we get to the break. I don't want to spend all day on this again. Uh, Braves taking the Reds uh, on right now. This is going to probably be a very competitive series. We'll see how it goes. Garrett Cole was phenomenal last night. Shocking they scored seven off Bieber. I could not have been more wrong there. I thought the Indians would have showed up in a big way. It was the opposite there. Hey, the Astros give them credit coming in late in that game and scoring three runs in the ninth to defeat the Twins. Was it good managing by Dusty Baker? Did he take a big shot yesterday using his two big pitchers? We're going to find out in the next couple days against the Twins. Giolito was awesome, almost threw a no-hitter. Uh, gave up a hit and then ended up still winning the game. And then Blake Snell struck out nine. The Rays, I don't think the Jays just... just match up Joe very well with the Rays at this point. Um, you know, the Jays had a really good year, but they're going to need a miracle, I think, to win that series. Oh, uh, you're right. And uh, just an incredible thing for Bieber, too. That's as many earned runs as he gave up last year, uh, excuse me, this past month in September. So he gave up seven earned runs over 24 innings in September, and he gave up seven earned runs in this one game against the Yankees. So uh, clearly not the way the Indians wanted to start off. Uh, we saw Garrett Cole here on the show yesterday talking about and, and being ready to rock and roll. And certainly he was 13 strikeouts for him. So it was uh, an interesting night where some aces really showed up for their teams and one ace did not. We got to take a quick break here on Fantasy Sports today. Our standout from the first day of the wild card and plenty of fantasy football info coming at you next here on Sports Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. ton of live baseball today. We'll have it covered for you here on Fantasy Sports Today. And, of course, coming up a little bit later, Scott Farrell's going coast-to-coast -coast with you, giving you previews and updates on all of the games as well as in-game live. Don't forget, Game 1 of the NBA Finals is also tonight between the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. For months, we were begging sports to come back. I don't know that we could have anticipated this much sports to come back all at once, but... Here we are, and here I am. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to move from this chair until at least uh, tonight at some point. I'm going to have to 
run out to get some food or, or things like that throughout the day. But uh, let's go through our uh, our fantasy standouts. And uh, all, all of these are, are postseason fantasy standouts, as a matter of fact. Of course, the Major League Baseball season is over. So here we go. Let's take a look at it. Look, there's no doubt at this point the Yankees have, have given us really uh, something important to consider, and that is that they can turn it on, I suppose, at any time. But Lucas Giolito is the one to start off with today. Giolito threw seven innings, eight strikeouts, one walk, two hits, and an earned run. I was watching this game thinking, is this guy going to throw a no-hitter or a perfect game in the postseason? And he came pretty close. Speaking of the Yankees, Garrett Cole was exactly what they wanted. No doubt. Seven innings pitch, 13 strikeouts. Again, let me say that. 13 strikeouts against the Indians. No walks. Six hits and two earned runs. He's just as good as he was with Houston, if not better, in game one there. Let's also not forget about Tampa Bay. We tend to forget about how good, uh, right now, the Rays are playing. Five and two-thirds, nine strikeouts, one hit, two walks, no earned runs there. Framber Valdez of Houston, five innings pitched, five strikeouts, two walks, two hits, no earned runs. Glaber Torres, four for four, three RBIs, three runs, and a home run there as well. And I guess at the at this point, Joe, it's like it's hard for me to just walk back everything with the Yankees over the last two weeks, but it's also impossible to ignore that they have some of the best offensive firepower in Major League Baseball. So the question is, is is this the Yankees group that we're going to see in the postseason? Is the last couple of weeks what we're going to see? Because both Judge and Stanton ended up homering yesterday, and those guys, I, I'd have to go back and look and see the last time they homered in the same game. Was it even this year? I don't, I don't know that it was. So it, it, this is a tough one for me, and the Indians certainly have to be a little shell-shocked, I think, after the first game. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And uh, I think that is something we have discussed previously, which is if the Yankees can just get everybody healthy, the postseason is almost like a fresh start. It's kind of the same thing we talked about the Astros, too. It's a bit of a, a fresh start for them as well, where the regular season, I think you're kind of glad if you're the Yankees to see it go by because it was muddy. It was good and it was bad. A lot of injuries, a lot of issues. But you're right. To have these two guys show up there, both go yard in the same game, it's very encouraging. You beat Shane Bieber in this series in game one. There is no way that you cannot feel that you are in the driver's seat for the rest of this series. I'm sorry. This has got to be a huge confidence boost for the Yankees and a huge negative there for the Indians. Because when your guy, who has been the dominant guy all year round, falters, we've seen it happen with the Dodgers time and time again with Kershaw over the years. I think mentally it's very difficult to come back from. And look, good on Aaron Judge that he was able to show up there in this big spot because this is what it matters the most for Yankee fans. It's about championships, not about playoff appearances. And Judge ended up hitting a home run that set the tone very early on with DJ LeMahieu on first base. And after the game, Judge talked about that, also talked about the performance of Garrett Cole in game one as well. This is, this is why we got him. You know, we didn't get him to throw in April. We didn't get him to throw in May. We didn't get him to throw in, you know, postseason baseball for the Yankees. And that's what he did, you know, all year. You know, seeing him throw, he's, he takes it to another level. But this time he took it up another notch. And, um, you know, when he got that type of intensity and that type of, um, you know, just being an animal out there, you know, just attacking hitters, you know, doing his thing. And uh, that was that was fun to be a part of and, you know, looking forward to more of him. And, and, and Joe, that is the dynamic of Garrett Cole that a lot of teams don't have is that you get to a seven game series. And we've seen this many times before 
Madison Bumgarner is a name that comes to mind. Of course, Houston did it with Verlander and even Charlie Morton to a degree. All thing, all mm-hmm. the nonsense aside, those guys are still good pitchers. Uh, and, and when you have a guy like that, you think, okay, we get to a seven-game series. We may get this guy three times in that series. And if he's going to pitch like that and the Yankees are going to hit like that, all of a sudden that changes the entire dynamic. So I would ask you, does one game change everything from what we've seen from the Yankees the last two weeks to all of a sudden propel them as the favorite in the American League? Or is it just simply put, they get through this series now that they're up 1-0, all they have to do is win one more, and then we go back to seeing the Yankees who they were? I, I don't know the answer yet. Yeah, I don't know if we have an answer on that. Uh, I don't know if it makes them automatically the favorites, but you're right. Nobody has anything like Eric Cole right now, especially because Justin Verlander with the Astros is on the shelf. So he's not around. Uh, you look at a team like the Rays. They have guys like Blake Snell, who's capable of throwing those kind of moments. And you also have a guy like Lucas Giolito, who stepped up big last night. But overall, I think the other guy look at that you thought was going to give you this kind of a performance that could really, really kind of push you forward with momentum was absolutely Shane Bieber. And I think that's where the mental swing here and the momentum really goes here for the Yankees in their favor. I think they will handle this team now quite handily. But now the question is, are they the favorite again? It's hard not to look at it and see, okay, well, the Twins might be stumbling a little bit. And, you know, how good are the A's really? I don't know. The more you kind of look at this landscape, maybe this does propel them. Maybe it does make them the favorite because we don't know how battle-tested some of these other pitchers on some other teams are. And the one thing we can say about Garrett Cole is he's pretty battle-tested. I think we've uh, realized that in the last two years. So I think that he is definitely something that nobody else can match. And if you can have him three times in a seven-game series, that's also something that no other team can match. Maybe the other team that could match it theoretically was the Indians, but if they're gone, well, then they can't do that, can they? Yeah. Uh, The Indians I'm concerned with. I I would say, Joe, that I'm not giving up on the Twins just yet. And, and, uh, you know, some fluky things happen there a little bit with them. Uh, The other thing that I'm curious uh, about is that is Dusty Baker's decision to pull Zach Greinke after five innings, and I don't even think he threw 70 pitches, to bring in Framber Valdez, who maybe has been one of the best pitchers in the American League all season, and he's had some blips on the radar. I understand that. Uh, But, Joe, Dusty Baker is being called right now a genius, essentially, for bringing in Valdez and finishing out that game. Credit to him for that. But now... He's relying on Jose Urquidy to win game two. I'm not sure even what they're going to do in game three, but I suppose that's not the way that people see it. They people The way people see it is they got a game one win and you have to go all out to get a one game win. And I certainly think that that's probably the case, but that's the two best pitchers Houston has, Joe, and they just went through them. Yeah, well, I I guess you can make the case that game one is like game seven, right? (laughs) I mean, it's so important to get a W, I think, mentally in a short series like that. I can understand that mentality. Go out there, get this W, get off to a good start, put the other team in a basically do-or-die scenario in the next game and put all the pressure back on them. And I think what you do if you're Dusty Baker is you rely – On your bullpen in this game, who's going to be fresh now because they haven't pitched in a few days. So that's a big positive that they were able to accomplish by throwing the two starters out there. And you rely on these these hitters who look in the last couple of years. These guys have been fantastic. I know Altuve had a down year, but like like we were out yesterday, this is a fresh start for everybody. Regular season's over. It does not matter what you did or did not do. This is a whole new season. And yet again, the Astros are a team that are battle tested. And I think they will show up. They have an enormous. Norm's in their shoulder, and I think this is a fascinating strategy. We'll see if it pays off, but I can't disagree with it. If you're Dusty 
see Baker get that W, put all the on the other guy, make them win that second game, and then for the third, you can get out quick with two wins. A good situation because now you can rest some more guys and get everything lined up the way you want to do it. So I like what doing is go. This is his last shot, and I think this is exactly what the Astros are thinking too. This might be their last shot as well. Yeah, no, I mean, all very fair points. I think today will determine it because if if uh, the Twins win today, the Astros are in a horrible spot for Game Three. But if they do win, it was. I mean, it's easy to say. I guess you look back the Monday morning quarterback as to what the right call was, but for me. I, I think the Astros have to win today because if they don't, I have no idea what they're going to be throwing out there in game three. And by the way, their bullpen's been okay in the eighth and ninth. Not a great bridge, though, to get to that point. All right, we got Chris coming up with the news update. Yes, the tip drill is back tonight. The Heat and Boston Celtics. Who will Jeremy and Greg recommend on the DFS slate? Make sure you stay tuned for that. And then we'll go through some trade targets in fantasy football. Craig Mish, Joe Pizapia, we're back on the grid. Just two minutes after the tip drill. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everybody. What's going on? I am Greg Sotosman. The NBA Finals are here. And alongside me to break it all down, it's Jeremy Stein of Sportsbeat. What's going on, Jeremy? Not too much. Looking forward to a great series. Obviously, the LA Lakers are heavy favorites. However, we think that the Miami Heat are going to make it very competitive. And hopefully, this one can go six or seven games. Miami Heat have surprised a lot of people inside the bubble in Orlando, making it to the NBA Finals rebuild with Jimmy Butler as the leader. But Butler, not in your DFS lineup tonight. We'll get to that in a few moments. Let's begin at the MVP position with a player that, oh, it's a little myth that he didn't get any votes for MVP. It's LeBron James, who you really did not go with much in the Western Conference Finals. But tonight, he is your MVP going away from AD. How come LBJ over the Brown? Well, tonight's a pretty interesting matchup. It, I'm very curious to see whether or not the Heat go with a zone defense. I do expect that Jimmy Butler will likely be covering LeBron as he is the best defensive player on that team. And obviously, Coach Spo knows LeBron James inside and out. However, LeBron is nearly averaging a triple-double throughout this entire playoffs, and he does need to play 40 minutes per game, and he needs to take absolute control over this Lakers team if they are going to win. So I'm looking for him to have similar numbers tonight. I'm looking for him to have close to a triple-double. LeBron James is the highest-priced player on the slate. He's $15,500, AD $1,000 less at fourteen five. dollars But LeBron and that ability to get triple-double is the reason he is your MVP tonight. Over to the other side for your star player, it's Bam Adebayo, who's $13,500, so $2,000 less than LeBron. Uh, he's your top. He, as we said, Jimmy Butler not in the lineup for you tonight. How come you're going with Adebayo here and away from Jimmy Buckets? So he's both a force of nature on the offensive side and the defensive side of the court. I think he matches up very well against Anthony Davis. And as we saw in the zone defense in the last series, he was virtually unstoppable on the defensive side. So I'm looking for him to get a lot of opportunities for defensive rebounds. 
in addition to putting up all of those points on the offense. So I think that he does have a lot of upside and he's also a much cheaper option. So Adebayo gets in there. He's your star player for uh, Jimmy Butler. He is $14,000. It's $500 more than Adebayo will cost you. As great as Adebayo is on both ends of the floor, not like Butler isn't, but the offensive upside may be a bit palp more palpable for Bam. Let's move on here and let's get to your pro, which brings us to Tyler Harrow, who is a hero, of course, throughout the Eastern Conference Finals. He's $11,000 tonight, and he can hit from, well, anywhere on the court. The Los Angeles Lakers do have a lot of defensive deficiencies, and if they are going to collapse on Butler, if they are going to collapse on Adebayo, I'm looking for the wings to get a lot of opportunities. So what I'm looking for in these multiplier spots is someone who is going to get the opportunities to shoot from behind the arc. And as we've seen before, Harrow is gr a great shooter. And if he does put up very consistent numbers, I think that he's a really good play in a multiplier position. When Harrow gets hot, he's as good of a shooter as the NBA has right now. Certainly the best shooter in this series and if he can get hot you want him in a multiplier spot so you can get at least in this case 1.2 times the points speaking of hot shooters that's what duncan robinson can be robinson is priced at nine thousand dollars tonight in this one and again it's just about getting hot and having a chance to win money right exactly and this is kind of a toss-up he could slide into the spot with harrow just depending on how you feel um he does get a lot of looks from behind the arc but really what we're looking for is two times value here and for somebody that's going to play about 35 minutes per game with the amount of shots that he does take i feel very confident that he is best poised to hit value and he is a very cheap option He's super cheap, and that ability to hit from behind the arc could increase the ceiling a little bit for Duncan Robinson. We know the minutes will be there. Hopefully the shots will be falling tonight. Final utility spot to get to. We're sticking with the Miami Heat, whose role players have been better throughout the playoffs. And we go to Jay Crowder. He was the unheralded uh, addition at the trade deadline. Everyone mentioned Andre Iguodala, but it's Jay Crowder that's really come on as of late for Miami. He's a little bit more expensive than Duncan Robinson, $9,500. But with this lineup, we can fit him in. Why go with Crowder over some of the other options that still are available to us? The simple answer is he does have a lot of offensive opportunities and he's playing over 30 minutes per game. So two times value here is all you need. So I think he's a great option. Um, he's more consistent than all of the other options, frankly. Um, if you look at the Lakers, you're really getting high variance players. So I think you're going to see Crowder used in utility spot a lot this series. Um, he's probably going to be a very chalky play throughout the entire finals. Crowder is well-priced, but go over Crowder, over your boy Goran Dragic, over Jimmy Butler. Well, it makes your life a little bit different. That's how you win a little bit of money. So it all makes sense. Jeremy Stein, we appreciate the time. Good luck tonight. Thank you. NBA Finals begin. Game one is tonight, and we cannot wait. We'll be here throughout the NBA Finals to give you a DFS lineup each and every night. For Jeremy Stein, I'm Greg Selstrom. Enjoy the game tonight, and we'll see you back here for game two on the NBA Tip Trail. All right, thanks very much, Greg and Jeremy, although they didn't say go Heat at the end of that, so a little disappointing to uh, not have Sus Mania be all in on the Heat 
run here for the title, but that's perfectly fine, Greg. Uh, maybe next time, maybe tomorrow after the Heat win tonight. Uh, let's go through some trade targets in fantasy football. And uh, Joe has some players that he thinks that you should be targeting in fantasy. So let's uh, dive right into him, Joe. And you're going to start off with a quarterback here on the show today. We definitely struggled through picking this guy in both DFS and fantasy leagues in 2019. And then after week five, I think it was, he sort of proved everybody wrong and went on this tear. So the question is, will it happen again? Well, I mean, as long as he can take care of the football, it's very possible. And the guy that we're talking about is Kirk Cousins of the Minnesota Vikings. Now, Kirk Cousins obviously has not been good this year. However, last year was possibly even worse. Over the first uh, few games of the season last year in September of 2019, Kirk Cousins had 735 yards, three touchdowns, and two picks. However, when we turn the page then into October through November, he had over 2,000 yards passing, 18 touchdowns, and an incredible one interception. Don't, don't adjust your screen, boys and girls. That's correct. 18 to 1 was that touchdown to interception ratio. He had a very similar stat line to Russell Wilson. Now, I understand that was last year. However, I think it does make an intriguing argument for the maybe it's a slow starting issue at Kirk Cousins and it takes a little while to get going because we've seen certain athletes have that kind of issue in the past, whether it be baseball, football, or otherwise. However, it is makes him a, a fascinating potential trade target, I would say, in a very good buy low in your Superflex formats, because I'm sure a lot of fantasy owners right now in Superflex are looking at him. They thought he was a, a safe low-end QB2, and they have gotten an awful stretch here of games from him. But there's upside, including the schedule as well, because you, if you look forward for the schedule, he's got Houston, Seattle, and Atlanta in his next three games. Those are all really good matchups for Kirk Cousins, and I think now is the time to be buying. All right. Well, look, Cousins is a guy that showed it last year, and there's certainly some plausible reasons why he could do it again. And again, if they're trailing in games two and Minnesota's defense looks bad, uh, certainly that is possible for sure. Uh, how about the Carolina Panthers? They've been really good offensively, and Robbie Anderson has led the way there. They don't have McCaffrey, Joe, and they really have some decent matchups coming up, some winnable matchups too, I would think. So is there anyone on Carolina that we could look at? Yeah, I think the guy is DJ Moore. We gave a lot of love yesterday to Robbie Anderson, but DJ Moore was the guy going into the season, the guy last year to get really excited about as a fantasy owner, and I am a big fan of Moore. And if you look at that bottom stat there, 49.17% uh, of the team air yards. So that is an interesting newer deep stat. But basically, if they're throwing the ball time almost, it's going DJ Moore's way. Now, a little bit more conversions would be great. Maybe some more touchdowns would be great too. But the fact that he's got such a big role in this offense is very important. Uh, in terms of uh, you look at the rest of him, that, by the way, that number is second in the NFL. Uh, they're also 12th in NFL receiving targets uh, as DJ Moore for the first three weeks. And uh, you look at that schedule for him facing an Arizona secondary. It's not very good. Facing the Atlanta Falcons twice and then the New Orleans Saints in four of their next five games. Man, that is a lot of opportunity here for DJ Moore, who is already seeing a good share of opportunity right now. It's just a matter of converting a little more. Robbie Anderson's good. However, I think certain to get that, maybe shut Anderson a little bit more. And the good news for uh, Mr. DJ Moore, if you look at the schedule and you look at the percentages of how important he is to this offense, whether McCaffrey is there or not. 
And then finally, we move over to the New England Patriots. It would not be a someone uh, segment without Joe Pizapia mentioning a Patriot. So, uh, <laughs> Joe, let's find someone today to uh, to uh, to pick up on the New England Patriots. Who do we got? Corey sure. Dillon today? What, what are we, who are we going now, for today? Yeah, you know what? He was a close second. I'm going to put my red, white, and blue glasses on here for you. And I'm going to talk about Sony Michelle for a second because he had a very big run here in this game week three. He's also averaging 6.6 yards per carry. And uh, as good as Rex Burkhead has been, you have to wonder when James White comes back, is he going to get relegated back to that role? Meanwhile, Sonny Michel's role was pretty obvious for the last couple of years here in the New England Patriot offense, and he looks healthy for now. And I think whenever you're dealing with running backs that have uh, contested carries, Damian Harris might be healthy enough to play this week too. I think that kind of lights a fire under guys. And right now, Sonny Michel might be an interesting add on the down low, especially when you have to realize that there could be some running backs missing games this week. So yeah, I think you could do worse than Sonny Michel, especially in a game plan that probably portends to be a scenario where you're trying to run the ball, run the ball, and keep Patrick Mahomes off the field as much as you can. That was the secret sauce for them in the championship game a couple years ago, and hopefully it will be again this week. But Sonny Michelle becomes an interesting trade target. Yeah, hard to project these New England running backs. It's been that way for a long time. It, it feels that way again this year, but certainly Burkhead paid dividends. I ended up starting him in a fantasy league this week. 34 points for me, and I still didn't win. Yikes. We'll be back with more fantasy football talk after this. Waiver Wire Wednesday. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Miss, Joe Pizapia. We got the Braves and Reds scoreless right now as they play in the third inning. We'll keep you updated on that game. Our next game begins very shortly, two o'clock Eastern. My TV goes over to the Marlins and Chicago Cubs, and certainly uh, we'll be talking about that game as well as the other games tomorrow here on Sports Grid. Scott Farrell will update you on all of those coming up a little bit later today, as well as the games in. Uh, the NBA Finals, of course, is tonight as well. But, Joe, we're taking a look at the waiver wire and fantasy today. I had to put in a couple of bids on players, and it looks like I'm unsuccessful thus far. Uh, do, do, you, do all your leagues run waivers on Wednesday, Joe? I have one that runs Thursday, one that runs Wednesday. I, I don't know how people can make the decision to to make the waiver wire. I, I guess a lot of people do have the waiver wire on Wednesday, but for me, isn't Thursday like the better day? You get the practice report in Wednesday, and then Thursday you make the moves so you know what's happening. Otherwise, you're throwing away some of that money. Yeah, well, personally, I like when they process Thursday morning. I think that's the best time to give everybody at least Wednesday to come home, look at what's going on here, a long day at work, and try to figure out what the waiver wire is going to look like and how much budget you want to spend because you get more news, you get more updates, you get more injury uh, and and look, this year with COVID, obviously, is going to be even more complicated now. And I think that is the best practice because I think you do want those guys on your roster well before Thursday. I think if everything is on Wednesday into Thursday morning, you wake up, you look at what you have. It also gives you a little time that if you didn't get those things, you might be able to get a last second trade off at some point in time on Thursday before the Thursday night game starts. So to me, that's the best possible scenario. But I run in some leagues here, like the Flex League, for instance, one of the expert leagues where they specifically run it uh, early on Tuesday night so that Wednesday everybody can see. That way other people have something to gauge off of, which I think is helpful because we post the results of that so people can look at it. And I think that could be very helpful for everybody else out there trying to get a gauge of what they should maybe not should not spend on certain players. All right, let's start off with running back this week. And, of course, with a potential postponement of a game, you know 
that we're going to see at least a couple of running backs grabbed off the waiver wire. And uh, Miles Gaskin is a huge surprise for me that Miami has basically turned the running game over to him. I did not see this coming at all. And he's 47% owned. Carlos Hyde is 19% owned. Although I got to tell you, I have some interest in Travis Homer behind him. Jeff Wilson at this point may be the only running back standing for San Francisco this week. He is 23% owned. Rex Burkhead, who had probably what will be his best game of the season last week, he is 10% owned. And then Brian Hill had a nice long touchdown. Again, we saw this from Hill last year. He had a couple of nice touchdowns and then uh, sort of faded away. But, Joe, those are some of the options. I'd like to throw uh, Travis Homer in there as well. DJ Dallas, who they drafted last year, I'm not sure he's ready to pass block or do those sort of things. They have two running backs from the University of Miami. To me, Homer is the one that's more ready. We saw him a little bit in the postseason and not a pass-catching back as well. So it could be a combination of using Hyde and Homer. But beyond that, Joe, what are you looking at at running back this week? Well, I'm okay with emptying a lot of the tank on Miles Gaskin this week. Uh, I was very impressed with him in the Thursday night contest. He was bouncing runs outside. And I don't understand this mindset the teams have where just because a guy is smaller, he can't uh, be the goal line back. I think that's really stupid at this point. It just is. And I think it makes him very difficult to find and figure out where he's going. I think it's just a matter of scheming properly at the offensive line spot in order to make that happen. And Jordan Howard does not look good. Obviously, his he has no burst right now. They were trying to use him at that goal line. He didn't look good in that role at all. He got stuffed a couple of times. I know he got in once. Still, I would raise it. I know what we're excited for our month into the season. And I watch the Dolphins play. There's no doubt in my mind that Gaskin by far is the most high. Uh, Carl's Hyde is exciting, but he can get the jump for you. I think he's stop, especially if you kind of shout out with all those Giants running backs last week and you're looking to try to just get some productivity uh jeffrey wilson jr is a dude that i think will you know probably have some touchdown equity again this week but as most certain those guys get healthy you'll probably see him fade into the background so hyde and wilson are definitely just short-term fixes burkhead you might have to pay a premium now after this last week chasing that's not something you're gonna see out of rex burkhead but in a full point ppr he could be a decent flex play and brian hill i think is just speculating right now just to have a little piece there it was a better performance for Gurley, 14 for 80 at a touchdown this past week and let me reiterate his schedule does get better as the season goes on 14 of 80 in a touchdown if he can give you anything close to that on a semi-regular basis he's gonna be pretty good but in the meantime if brian hill's gonna get some more work in the passing game it's something to be aware of yeah, and, and, I, and I think there aren't great running back options this week. It may be sort of looking ahead at some guys. I don't agree on Gaskin at all. I, I don't think that he is a star in the NFL. I'm still going to believe, even though I cut Breida this week, I'm still going to believe that at some point Breida is going to get involved. I'm not sure why they haven't to date. Um, doesn't really make sense to me. It hasn't added up. You can only go by what you see. At this point, he has been a bust, but I don't see Gaskin being uh, – a viable guy yet uh, although he did look like it against Jacksonville his yards per carry weren't that great but uh, but he's he is the volume guy there's no question at this point I find it hard to believe that Miami doesn't want any trade capital with Howard or, or with Breida at this point but we'll see right now they can't argue that Gaskin has been the guy thus far at wide receiver I put in a bid in one of my leagues on Justin Jefferson did not get him put in a relatively high bid I think it was $16 out of the 125 somebody bid 27 so we lose out on him. Uh, Alan Lazard is 49% owned. I'm sure he's going to be 80% owned after this week for sure. Keelan Cole looked pretty good for Jacksonville. 
Ayuk, the rookie on San Francisco, is 28% owned. Chase Claypool on Pittsburgh saw some looks last week, 14% owned. Hunter Renfro, boy, with Edwards out and, and Waller not 100% healthy, I don't, I don't know who the Raiders are going to throw to. Uh, T. Higgins, I saw T. Higgins make some catches last week for Cincinnati. Maybe he starts to come on a little bit. And I am a huge fan of Greg Ward, so it didn't shock me at all to see him score a touchdown last week. And this guy's been an underdog his entire career, whether it was in college or the pros. And so I'm very happy to see him succeed. And again, that's another team that just doesn't have a lot of receiving options at this point. So maybe Ward is involved somewhat in the game plan. But Joe Jefferson, to me, is at the top based off the week that he had last week. But he's going to have to do it one more time, I think, for a lot of people to believe that we'll see this all season. Yeah, I can understand that. Uh, and, you know, as far as you losing out on Jefferson, I would say that the Jefferson game log, then there's a really good chance that that's who Jefferson is. You think he's going to have some massive games and some quiet ones, kind of similar to what we saw out of, say, like a young Calvin Ridley, right? And I don't think he's the same kind of wide receiver, but just to kind of put it in context where you're going to see some massive games and you go, my God, this guy's amazing. You're going to be chasing that. And I think that's what makes that difficult to say and uh, to kind of count on on a regular basis. But I would also point out that, I think Lazard, that game that he had, is really worth paying for. Uh, I think the, so far in the season, he's been very solid. He seems like he is that clear number two guy with uh, Devontae Adams. And Adams has missed time in every season. So if he can have a, a number one game, if injuries kind of linger on a little bit, it's something to really be aware of. Uh, Q and Cole, Ayuk, I'm aware of Ayuk, to be honest with you. back this week. I think he'll fade for me because of what happened last uh, some of those trick plays and those those runs that they like to do over there where they're you know running end rounds and things like that that san francisco is famous for but they tend to do debo samuel so when he's back i wonder if iu kind of just kind of fades a little bit uh henner renfro is a fascinating one because of the matchup this week too uh i think when you understand where uh vegas is this in buffalo if you look at the scoring for the slot receivers against buffalo this year fantasy wise it's been off the charts in fact look no further than last week in cooper cup uh, but they've been a couple of big games there from the slot. And Hunter Renfro is in the spot, like you kind of said, where Ruggs is hurt, some injuries in the wide receiver core, Waller's banged up. So Renfro could get a lot of action in full point PPR. I would definitely keep an eye on him. And uh, Greg Ward and T. Higgins, look, there's upside there. There's no doubt about that in deeper leagues. But I think T. Higgins is a guy that's more ready for next year. I think that was probably a one-off game, and I wouldn't chase that either. I, I think that that's a good point on all of these guys. I think that most of the names here are going to be very important starting next week when there are bye weeks. But for now, probably better options with the guys that you drafted. Unless, of course, you're losing players from Tennessee and Pittsburgh, which we probably won't know until tomorrow. Let's take a look at the tight ends and quarterbacks that are potentially out there for you. Mo Ali Cox came up again pretty big for the Colts. He's 9% owned. People are still not buying in. I, I guess I can understand that. Uh, Jimmy Graham, yuck, ugh, well, no part of that, uh, 9% owned there. And Fitzpatrick on Miami, I got to tell you, like, I mean, he's had 10 days off. They're at home. They're playing against Seattle. Seattle's defense is horrible. Yep. You know Seattle's scoring 30 points this week one way or the other, and they certainly aren't stopping anyone. I mean, Fitzpatrick, Joe, if you have Roethlisberger in a super flex or you have Tannehill <laughs> in a super flex or you have Drew Locke, I mean, it may be time to, to put a little Fitz magic in there this week. I, I th Look, I don't think Miami's going to win this week, but I think that they could stay in this game. And as great as Seattle's offense is, they have not stopped anyone. <laughs> so so why no. would they stop Miami? No, and, and I'll take a step further. What if you're a Carson Wentz owner right now? 
and you're looking at that scenario. I'd rather be throwing Fitzpatrick out there personally than than uh, Wentz on the road against San Francisco. I understand there's been some injuries to that defense, but still, is that the game where all of a sudden the Eagles get right? I'd be very concerned. I think Fitzpatrick is the number one streaming quarterback this week. I would plug and play him. I think he can he could play him on FanDuel as well. Moali Cox is starting to feel like the go-to tight end in this offense, much to the chagrin of everybody who is looking for Jack Doyle to be that guy. And sometimes you just got to, you know, take one and understand that you're wrong. The, the thought process was right, which is Rivers does like to look for the tight end. However, I think you step back and you realize maybe we just had the wrong tight end. And Mo Cox so far has been pretty decent. I don't know if Jimmy Graham can become a thing with Nick Foles. That's a definitive question I have. I don't think we're going to have an answer to that question coming off this week between the Indianapolis Colts defense and the Bears uh, matching up and locking horns here. One, He did have two touchdowns last week. Touchdowns are what you need to be a tight end one. I don't know if this is the Jimmy Graham renaissance or a one-off. I mean, the Falcons look, everybody look like a star. That's for sure, because that defense is just dreadful. However, if you're in a bad spot, once again, missing some of these guys, let's say you're the John U. Smith owner and you're out of tight end. Oh, okay. Well, I, I think Mo Alley Cox and Jimmy Graham are two guys that you could stream in that situation. And I would not wait. I would get my points because if you are tempting fate here and waiting for the NFL to tell you on Saturday still or Friday still <laughs> that you're going to have a game uh, between Pittsburgh and Tennessee, I would be very proactive. I would make sure I get guys, get the points because you have to face the reality that there is a good chance that even if they say it's going to be Monday or Tuesday, it still might not be. And I think it would be smarter with some of these guys to just take the points. And I think Hunter Renfro is a perfect example of that. A guy I think was in line for a, a, a better point total than normal. And he had a good game last week as well in a very good matchup scenario. Take the points, take the points, take the points <laughs> and just continue to move on. Yep. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, for me, I got a Godwin in another league. And so, you know, trying to piece through that is, is difficult. That's a big, injury for me that I'm trying to figure out. So I'm, I have another league tomorrow that no one owns Jefferson in. So I'm going to have to, I don't, I don't know if I'm ready to use my waiver spot on, on Jefferson or if I can just piece that together. But the interesting one for me, it's not that we see differently on it, but I, I mean, for, I mean, Burkhead for back to back weeks has, has, has done well in fantasy. So there's no doubt that when James White, back he's going to be part of this and i am not going to sit here and tell you that he's not but i guess the question that i have is is there enough room to have all three of those guys play for the time being in the nfl where teams are scoring a lot of points and is there a chance joe that burkhead is an eight to ten point guy based on the receptions every week and if he is all of a sudden that changes the dynamic for me. I don't want to have to store him in fantasy, but I can't ignore 45 fantasy points the last two weeks. I'll, I'll be at 34 in one week. So to me, that's that's what I'm fighting with this week. Yeah, I can understand that. And um, it's it's always a delicate here because it's a good thing for a while. And it's whether or not we should chasing last week. Really, these people have opportunities going forward. Jefferson has some because it gets better for the Minnesota Vikings going forward. We'll be back to have some fantasy trivia for you here on Fantasy Sports Today. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Sports 
And welcome back. It's Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. Make sure you stay tuned. we got another hour of this show still to come. So stay on the grid with us throughout the day and updates on all of the games going on in Major League Baseball. Of course, the wild card game between the Braves and Cincinnati Reds. We'll have an update for you coming up top of the hour, although not much to add at this point. Really good pitching matchup. That's your little hint on that game as well. All right, Joe, let's play some fantasy trivia. And I did not look the answer up to this. This is your question today. And here it is. I don't know the answer. So do you want to ask the question and give the answer? Or do you want to ask the question and I try and guess? I did not look this up pre-show, I promise you. And and I know you're a good sport. I know you're a big fan of playing fair. And I like that about you, Craig Mish. So, yes, I'm going to ask you the question, and I want you to try to guess it. So today's okay. question is a very simple one. And uh, I want you to tell me who has been the most productive scoring team in the NFL. Who has scored the most points? Is it A, the Green Bay Packers, B, the Buffalo Bills, or C, the Seattle Seahawks? I, I will tell you these teams are one, two, and three, respectively. So who has been number one so far to start the year? Well, I'm supposed to say Seattle because that's the obvious answer, that they look the best. But I'm guessing it's the least obvious answer. I'm going to guess Buffalo. Is that true? That is incorrect, Craig Mish. Mm. Uh, I like your All reasoning. Right. It was very good uh, reasoning that you gave us here in the program, which I think everybody appreciates. But it's actually the Green Bay Packers. 122 points so far on the season mm. for the Pack. The Seahawks are second with 111. And 93 is the Buffalo Bills at third. By the way, uh, with 90 points, uh, this you're going to love this, 90 points scored for the Atlanta Falcons pretty high on the trough but they're 0 and 3 and they've given up 108 to start the year. So uh not a very good ratio for them but yeah the Green Bay Packers offense and this is without DeVonte Adams for a week has been pretty darn prolific and I don't feel like anybody's talking about it. Yeah and and no one talks about Aaron Rodgers potentially to win the MVP and his odds are pretty nice on FanDuel right now if something was to go wrong with Russell Wilson for sure. All right, we got plenty more to come here on this edition of Fantasy Sports Today. So you want to stay tuned. we got our headlines coming up at the top of the hour. Then Dr. Chow weighs in on everything going on with the Tennessee Titans and Chris Godwin of the Tampa Bay Bucks. What can we expect this weekend? Stay tuned. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.